Hello, everyone, and welcome to a beautiful. <laughs> I hate you. I totally hate you. What okay, so that? we were getting we were getting ready to start this thing. And for those of you who can't see what wrong. just happened, Ryan and I had just had a discussion about who was introing this episode, and he was like, "I'm gonna." key you in and he did this like double thumb like this wild double, west. double finger guns yes. and shoulder gesture uh, motion the facial expression though <laughs> is where i lost it and speaking of lost it so anyway welcome to a beautiful faith where you know most of you now have a beautiful faith that we will somehow make it through an episode yes and today we get to talk about something that's very dear and near to our hearts for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while now you know that at least as the time of this recording all but one episode we have done we have found some way shape or form to talk about therapy and about dealing with our emotions and our mental state and I'm trying to be very clear with those terminology because that's going to come to play in our episode today because, you know, Ryan and I were wanting to, you know, we normally we're the experts, right, Ryan? Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, we are the experts on every topic we ever talk about. And I think it's important that we bring in, you know, a regular person to hear, you know, just a layman's perspective on these topics. Or even know? a lay woman would be Yeah, fine. exactly. I, I, I just think it's really important that, you know, normal people are able to have these conversations too and... You know, we have them at this, you know, really high level. It's time to bring in someone who, you know, is down to earth. So while we're here in, uh, I almost said North Kakalaki because... That's what I did. There's something you did in the last time. Uh, while we're here at a youth conference, a young adult conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, we've had access to many normal run-of-the-mill folk that are just wandering around the lobby. And so we just happened to say, you know what? Let's bring in that normal lay person perspective. Yeah, she looks really cool. We'll just bring she, her yeah, in. Yeah, she did. She was kind of standing around the elevator looking lost. Like, what should I do? And so we grabbed our guest for today. Ryan, who is our guest today? <laughs> so our guest is actually a really great friend of ours. Um, she's not a lay person, if that has not sunk in enough yet. Um, but she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, and she is someone who is near and dear to both of our hearts, um, and she, we are not the experts in what we're talking about today, but she is very much an expert in it, um, a professional in it, at least. And uh, I am excited to have this conversation because I think we get to dispel a lot of myths about, mm. um, about this subject. And so our guest today is Kim Cove. So Kim, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so... I want to open by by saying that one thing you're involved in is another podcast called Join the Weeds. Yes. Um, so I want to give you the opportunity to um, just share a little bit about that and um, you know your purpose and everything about it. Okay. Um, my co-host Beth Grissom and I um, are doing this podcast where really we're looking at the messiness of life mm. um, because there are beautiful moments in life and there are really crappy moments in life. And most of the time, it's not either or. Most of the time, it's both and. And so we want to convey an attitude of it's okay if you're in the weeds, because there will be joy there. Mm -hmm. And when you are joyful, you do not have to neglect the weeds. And so we, we like to say we hold joy in one hand and sorrow in the other and walk through life um, hmm. with that. And that's what we're all about. Awesome. Very cool. So yeah, pause now. Go subscribe if you're already subscribed. Uh, subscribe again. Uh, grab another device and hit subscribe. <laughs> go buy an iPad and go subscribe. Um, or give us a review. 
and yeah leave a review yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. make sure it's five stars uh, no one stars allowed you one stars can get out right you can leave you can leave that for our podcast no 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 uh, no no, no. <laughs> i'm kidding I'm kidding. You guys are you missing are the. You are not going to get away with guys, that. You guys are missing the podcast. death stare. Yeah, no, I just got, I just got destroyed um, <laughs> because of all days to make that type <laughs> of joke. Today we are sitting in the presence of one trained to detect it. Yes, <laughs> to um, ferret it out of the weeds. Yeah. So we're bringing you in to talk about mental health, and which is a play. She's already rolling her eyes, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Um, and we'll get there. Don't worry, I promise. Um, we'll start there, really, but. Um, basically, this is something that is has become way more publicly talked about in recent years, which I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, Me too. but the the I guess not the risk, but the issue with that is that we're also learning how to have that conversation, mm-hmm. which means not everyone is having that conversation well. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone is using you know the right terminology. That's what the reaction was for. Yes, that's um, where we're about to go. And um, and in many cases, some people are sharing harmful, uh, mm-hmm. harmful information, dangerous information, and it is so. This is something very much that's meant. It, on the flip side of that, obviously, there's a lot of positive conversations and great conversations, yes. and I hope this will be one of them. Of course, it will. Um, and but it is something that I think it's important that we talk about from as professional a standpoint as possible it is not something necessarily that you know a normal everyday person can is not qualified to talk about um but when we can it is important to educate ourselves and learn and grow together and so so let's let's transition right into that because what we were referencing earlier uh something i know both ryan and i are very looking forward to to learning here is even the terminology we use like he was saying, to have this conversation could be causing inadvertent harm or Mm -hmm. are not communicating, not facilitating a healthy conversation Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. it. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we just want to go right in. Kim, we've used the term, a lot of people use the term Mm -hmm. mental health. Mm -hmm. Let's deal with our mental Mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. And yes, as you guys can hear, tell us, Kim, from your professional standpoint uh, and all that, why does that term bother you bother or, why, or why should it bother us what is there a better term we could be using to have this conversation well i want to be clear this is my personal opinion so this is not blanket across all therapists and counselors etc cetera, etc cetera. when we use the term mental health it seems to categorize them if we were to use the term emotional well-being we can all put ourselves in that basket. Mm. So mental health is those who have a diagnosis. We think schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, bad depression, like generalized anxiety. I mean, we, it's a them thing. When, what I prefer is emotional well-being because we're all in that boat. We all need help with our emotional well-being because... I don't know anybody, and I am a therapist, who does emotions well mm-hmm. in a healthy way. So it's more inclusive language yes. for, yes. for the and, conversation. And it allows just the regular Joe that you guys were talking about to be okay with saying, okay, I've got some, I don't need, like I'm not mental, 
Yeah, it re- and it, I've got things I need to work on. Mm-hmm. It 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 reduces the stigma, I yes. guess, or removes a yeah. lot of the stigma that yeah. comes with it. Yeah, um, and and I do think it, it is important to preface with, yeah, this isn't a conversation that assumes everyone is crazy. It just means we right. all got stuff to sift through. Right. Yes. Um, that's right. what this is. And the the one big thing that I do notice is that you know, in a lot of ways, emotion is seen as weakness. Weakness. And that's not the case. However, a weakness can be not being able to handle or process your emotions well or or apply them well. Mm-hmm. Right. That is, I think, the mm-hmm. weakness, not the emotions mm-hmm. themselves. Well said. Um, I think I think emo- thank you. Um <laughs> that's a high compliment. Uh, um, I just thought of it myself. Um <laughs> You're brilliant. But I you know, emotions are informative. Yes. And that is you know, it, yeah. and it's how you respond and what you do from them that I think mm-hmm. is really important. And so, yes, the term emotional well-being um, and emotional health, health, if someone prefers, I don't, it, it is what it is, but um, I do like it. It is more inclusive. It's something that I've been trying to put into practice ever since you shared it with me months and months ago. Uh, and actually, it's probably over a year ago uh-huh. now. Um and I'm shocked and, I'm just now hearing about it. Like, I'm going to have to like, start did you really that journey now. I did not know this. Mm. And so I was running around trying to do a lot, weaving a lot of conversations about what I termed mental health mm. into, mm. you know, my ministry and mm-hmm. the conversations. Mm-hmm. And I just, it just never had dawned on me, this mm-hmm. idea. I, I really like I really like this terminology mm-hmm. switch, personally. Mm-hmm. And it's something that now yeah. I'm going to try and... and really take to heart yeah and and again using the word i know you used emotional health mm-hmm. i emotional prefer well-being, well-being yeah. because again it's more about the whole person, person. rather yeah. than just it's about holistic medicine health, basically you yeah. Know? yeah well okay so let's 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 jump what are some what would you say are some other misconceptions or myths or or issues that people run into when talking about mental health or when trying to or Emotional well being. Yes. Um, Join us as we continue to reprogram during Um, this conversation. What's funny is, well, yeah, we will reprogram during this conversation. She will catch us every time. Uh, But when people talk about emotional well being, what what are some myths, common pitfalls, um, things that prevent us from actually being able to address the things that are that matter? Uh, I think you said it earlier. Is that we think that emotions are bad unless it's happiness mm. and that everybody is seeking happiness and that if, if we're feeling angry, then that's a problem, especially if you're a woman, if you're angry and you're a woman, you, I mean, that's not okay. If you're a man, you can't have sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then there's the whole shame thing, but we think that emotions are not okay. And we separate our emotions from who we are. And when we, when we do that separation, we are not, it's not helpful. And you will, you will make yourself sick if you do not address your emotional state, which yes, it comes from your brain and yes, there's thoughts in there. You will make yourself sick. Hmm. You can't not. Yeah. What are, what would you say are some, um, some ways that people kind of avoid or, uh, you know, refuse to actually be emotionally well? What are, what are some of the habits or behaviors that you've noticed or that you... Any kind of addiction. Hmm. Any addiction? Oh, I'm addicted to you, Henry. This whether, is a problem. <laughs> and and, 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 uh, you. and uh, could I say humor is also oh, yeah, no, another 100%. way yeah, we no, deflect our yes. emotions? Oh no, no, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. That's one thing I've I realized even in my own emotional well-being journey. There you go. Is that 
I resorted to a lot of humor. Mm -hmm. And it's not that that humor has necessarily gone away, but I've now learned better uses for it because it really was a a poor coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that cry for attention that at least... And I think this is why we've seen it a lot even in in our society, especially... I can't believe it's been a few years now, but with the Robin Williams uh, Mm -hmm. suicide Mm -hmm. and a lot of other... You know, comedians and all, there's this rampant depression and other mm-hmm. things, but some of the times they're the funniest people we know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's masking a lot of fact that we're, we're going to get attention somehow, so they might as well laugh with us than at us right. kind of thing. Right. I don't know. For me, yeah. humor, I, anyone can see, that would, that's probably the most transparent that I am is through humor based on its timing. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, humor was very much an expression of control where I felt I had none. So humor was Controlled a way environment. Of, of showing that I I couldn't control the circumstances, but I could control how I responded. Mm. So for me, humor felt like it was mastery over, not slavery too. Um, and in reality, it was still slavery too. Um, but the other and the other thing is that yeah, it did deflect because I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing it showed was I like being the guy in the room that that knows that understands that has the mastery i'm used to being the guy that people ask questions to mm-hmm. um how do i do this or what mm-hmm. is you know what does this mean or whatever and so humor being able to make a joke about something that was actually you know and that joke being funny meant that i had an understanding of it that was in depth enough to be able to even twist it into a joke does that make mm-hmm. sense like so it was both a cover for a insecurity regarding my own iq um and it was a coping mechanism and deflection in response to trauma and tragedy. Mm-hmm. Which is why, for example, I've known you for some time now, Ryan. I'm that's sorry. That, I'm not sorry. I'm not. Seriously? I'm not sorry. Really? Yeah. See, that's what All I'm right. saying. Guys. See, this is twice you've already mm-hmm. been... Uh, my, my point is like one thing you use a ton of humor for was is, is around your father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole time I've, I've, I've known you, that's been a big area of, quote, humor for you, the, the death humor... Mm-hmm. Uh, jokes about about your dad, and for those of you who have listened to this podcast, the first interview uh, mm-hmm. we ever did in our sub series about you know the journey back to faith, it that that's something we talked about. That a big trauma for you mm-hmm. was the death of your father. Yeah, and all right, this is not going to turn into a therapy session for me, but I will say, um, <laughs> I will say, know. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, you're going. I maintain and still maintain and will maintain until. Uh, the day that I died, that at least 1% of all, which I've made a lot of them, at least 1% of those jokes were objectively funny, um, especially when someone else did it by accident. <laughs> um, but no, most of the time it was, the reason it was so bad, it wasn't even, I wouldn't even say the humor for me was bad because of how it was blocking me from my emotions. What it was doing was, it wasn't inviting people other it wasn't inviting people into the feelings of discomfort that I had around this issue. What it was doing was, is it was forcing them there. So I was, by making jokes uh, around my dad's death, it was, um, it was making others uncomfortable where they didn't choose to enter into that discomfort with me, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was almost, a, it was forced empathy, which really isn't, it was forcing them mm. to feel what I was feeling without their permission. And mm. when, when I finally realized that, which my dad died when I was 17, and I realized that when I was probably 24, um, that was when I started to really try and change that. Um, sometimes I still will make one or two if, if, like, if someone, A, that I trust and know 
um, and B isn't, you know, is okay with it. If someone has said like, never, <laughs> then I don't like straight up. But that is, that is one of the things like that is probably the clearest example of where that humor does show up. That coping me- mechanism shows up. The other one is when people try and compliment me. Um, mm-hmm. but those are, those are the, uh, those are the big ones, which yes, we just saw. So, um, let's stop talking about me. And, uh, oh, but I have so <laughs> many questions. Um, well, um, <laughs> Uh, don't do it. I have to. I can enjoy sitting back for this. <laughs> um, but so, what do you think is one of the first steps or initial steps to emotional well being or to proper emotional well being? Self awareness. Hmm. Know what it is you're feeling. Identify it. What is this? Like, name it. Name it. Am I angry? Am I sad? Am I uh, scared? Am I disappointed? Am I, um, am I feeling shame? Name it. That is where you start. You have to start with naming it. If you don't name it, you don't, you're not going to know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, um, emotion, in a sense, is a tool. Yes. Yeah, and, it's and the problem is, is we don't know how to use it. Right. We're, we're using them in the wrong way. Right. And we yeah. think they're bothersome or, or they get in the way. And there are some personalities who will... You know, I've got a goal and I'm going to take whatever it is I'm feeling and I'm going to put it on the shelf and I'm going to reach my goal. Um, but again, it's stored in your body and it's going to come out somewhere. Mm-hmm. No, so, I mean, yes. I, there was a, a, a really good friend of mine, her husband, after his dad died, um, he was, this is years after, uh, he and her were walking in Target and suddenly he was not with her and she like, she had no idea where he went. And uh, she went looking aisle by aisle and suddenly found him in the toy aisle holding a toy and just bawling his eyes out oh. um, because he saw, he saw something that just just wrecked him and mm-hmm. it reminded him of his dad and, and this this part of that grief that he hadn't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it very much is something that does come out there, in there, some way, shape, or form. There are those who are more holistic medical doctors who have a strong belief that cancer is an emotional disease. Wow, that is. This is the first time I've heard that. Mm. Yeah, I I didn't realize that there, either. I've read the, studies about addiction being, you know, mm. an absence of relationship, healthy relationship, and whatnot. Yeah, there's but, more to it than that. Yeah, but there there are those. I, I recently listened to. I, I think it's Josh Axe, um, mm. A X E, where he was saying that there's there's evidence out there that there's a strong correlation between people who stuff emotions and don't deal with them and cancer oh perfect so, well so i'm li- so literally <laughs> your doomed. emotions are eating you up from the inside yeah. out basically yeah 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 hmm. so when i heard that i told my husband i'm gonna be healthy <laughs> i'm never gonna get cancer <laughs> <laughs> um, bring on the emotions that's right um okay so once once you've identified something i mean what is cool i'm angry Okay, so then you ask yourself the question, anger, what are you telling me? Hmm. And anger can tell you a lot of things. Anger is, anger is generally a secondary emotion because anger feels better than pain. Generally speaking, anger is a secondary emotion. So you got to say, oh, so one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, am I really sad? Is that really what's going on? Am I hurt? Mm-hmm. Is that what's going on? Where anger is a primary emotion is when a boundary has been violated. When a boundary has been violated, it is appropriate and it is the primary response to be angry. Now, there might be hurt 
in there as well. There may mm-hmm. be fear in there as well. And it's appropriate to be angry. That actually, the first thing that I think of, and this is like the classic anger example in scripture, but I never thought of it in these th- these terms. Yeah, but it's I Jesus was just in the temple. Um, there was a boundary violation. Violated. There was a boundary had absolute, yeah, boundary absolutely. violation. And I never yeah. thought of it in those terms, that's but brilliant. like that's a, that's a brand that's new life so for that story. True. Well, and the other thing I was I wasn't thinking that story first. The first thing I thought about is the anger he had at the tomb with Lazarus. Mm. The this idea that death is a violation of a boundary. Mm. Yeah. I had never thought of it in that term either, that that literally it was taking something that should never have been taken. It was mm-hmm. forcing a, a mm-hmm. series of emotions and events to the people around Jesus that they never should have had to, mm. um, that this was that this was a violation. Yeah. And he was, you know, because the Greek, there's literally, he's snorting with anger mm-hmm. there wow. at, at the tomb. And so wow. I... I I'd never thought about that in the sense that I just thought he was angry that the suffering death was causing, but it's also a boundary violation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's fascinating. So, okay, so then is is this, is self-awareness and the, and kind of those questions, is that something that has to be done in, as a friend would say, um, as a good friend of mine would say, the secret space, so that, you know, you and yourself and you and God, or is that something that, that trusted friends and family can be on that journey with you or help you identify. It, de- it depends. Okay, so what in in I mean, yeah, obviously we can't speak to every situation, right. right? But in what ways can I guess family and friends be helpful in that process? Well, if they're he- emotionally <laughs> healthy themselves, fair. Um, then they can ask the questions mm. and they can yeah. support you in whatever it is that yeah. you're discovering as you walk that journey and listen to yeah. what your emotions are telling you. No, that I love that you said if they're emotionally healthy as well. One of the things uh, my very first mentor ever told me I was doing with a pornography addiction mm. and I was I had shared with him that someone had wanted me to be their accountability partner in pornography addiction and he went that's a terrible idea. Mm. <laughs> um because what ends up happening is mm. um and this is different from like men's groups and mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that where you're you're going to a space intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with accountability partners in just that are both struggling with it in general life is that if one person is struggling and the other's doing fine and the other person calls, mm-hmm. and you're now triggering your accountability mm-hmm. partner in the thing that you're both trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take the captain down with the ship, so to speak. Right. And um, it was, he was like, yeah, I, I mean, he's like, I can't tell you. I was in high school. I was like, he's like, I can't tell you what to do. But don't do that. <laughs> that was very much what he said. And right. and that was something that we, um, I had a friend who was an accountability partner with me in college, and we both did actually have the same issue. Um, but the way that we handled it was trying to respect that very thing. Right. Um, and that was important for mm-hmm. us. And so we, we put in specific safeguards, and that wasn't the end of the battle, I think, for either of us. But um, it is, but that is a really important point mm-hmm. is that the people, mm-hmm. The people around you mm-hmm. need to be aware of this sort of thing as mm-hmm. well, and they need to understand what you're, you know, what you're yeah. asking them to even do. Right. Um, so that's huge. Um, usually, about oh, I was just gonna say, usually when you are in an emotional state, um, the people around you can are more of a support system. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just just recently, um, I was. I was having some very raw emotion because some pain was coming up and I just leaned into my husband. Uh, he didn't need to know what was going on. 
And I just said, I'm feeling very raw and very tender mm -hmm. and I just need you. And so, you know, he put his hand around me. We were holding pinkies as we were walking. It, it, it's, it's just, just that support presence. system. It's just mm -hmm. that presence because relationship is where we're healed. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I, I was just going to say kind of, Moving into an area I think would be very fascinating to talk about, especially when we're talking about faith, since this is a podcast mm -hmm. about faith reconstruction and mm. how that intersects with uh, emotional well-being. Mm. Once you realize, we were just talking about the people around you need to also be emotionally, you know, self-aware. Yes. And and some form of yeah, on the journey. Not yeah. that any of us are are we there. We don't arrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, but uh, it's kind of like if someone behind you can't lead you. <laughs> Right. Kind of thing. But to that end, and I think this is something interesting because, yeah, I'm very thankful that religious communities are now being more open about talking about mm -hmm. emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. But here's something I've noticed, and I would love your opinion, and maybe Ryan and I can both speak to this as well. I, I find a tendency among religious people, especially in Christianity, that the moment they realize they want to do something about their emotional mm -hmm. well-being, we go to the pastor. Mm-hmm. Because you know, because they're not yeah, they the shrink, they're not, the, and they're free. Yeah, right. That's how we think. And and I mean, I have my opinions about this, so maybe I'm leading with this question. But could you tell us professionally why that's a bad idea? Because, <laughs> so, because gave away my opinion. You're like, protect me, defend because, me. Yes. I am a pastor, Kim. Tell yeah, people please, to stop. From a professional standpoint, tell them why that's not a good idea. Um, because. Uh, Perfect. That was all we needed. Uh, you've no, heard it here, because folks. honestly, pastors do not know what they are talking about. Mic drop. They they have no clue. They do in this arena. In yeah, this it, arena, yeah, it's not part of our in specific arena, training. Yes, correct. Because they they have not been trained. A lot of their religious traditions and what they tell people is more damaging than it is helpful. And mm. many, maybe most, do more hurting than they do helping. Mm -hmm. I would agree with the most and statement for they sure. Yes. Put the, mm, there are very few pastors that I know that I am comfortable with people going to. Hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, and... Very few. It is... Yeah, I think it's a it's a symptom of having idolized the pastor, having the pastor be the every man or every woman, um, and it is or that we stand in the place of God somehow. That kind of yeah. medieval mm -hmm. viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So, well, God can fix everything. So why can't they? Yeah, no, that's mm -hmm. huge. Um, and and the, and the uh, generally a lot of times the pastor's like, well, let's just pray about it. Ooh, and I'm not. That's a, that's a phrase. I'm I've, not uh, against prayer, obviously. However, when you're in your prayer closet, you really can't see past the end of your own nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, while if you have cancer or heart disease, you need to pray about it, you also need to get thee to a doctor. Yeah, this yes. is this is kind of the question I was going to say. This is kind of like you realizing that you have a broken arm, but instead of going to the doctor to get help with it, you go to a veterinarian. Or not, not that's not even not good even. enough because a veterinarian would still know more than a pastor does right. about men, you know, about <laughs> emotional well being, especially since a lot of us are, are very no, you broken go your... people as well. <laughs> I was just gonna say, it would be, it would be like, I got a broken arm, so I'm going to the, to the, you know, general so, contractor and saying, 
Right, you know, carpenter. Because they know how to. Because nail they know how to together. nail things together <laughs> yeah. with big, long, you know, nail guns and yeah. lumber and concrete. Yeah. And, yeah. Hey, isn't isn't the the technical translation for Jesus's p- profession in in the a Bible carpenter? Uh, not a carpenter, but like a general contractor or something along those lines. Like not just working with wood, but but actually, doing. Yeah, he didn't work with wood. He actually yeah, built see, houses. Which what well did you know that didn't work? And now, now I'm now I'm telling you that you just told people to not go to Jesus. I trapped you. Save yourself. You really need to nail down better jokes. <laughs> um, what? Um, that joke could be interpreted in so many ways. So I'm just going to go ahead and say he Especially meant that in the, the realm of carpentry, wow. not the cross. <laughs> All right, Didn't you I just want that once. I, wasn't there one point where you I, we were talking about something and you're like, I "No, we know. got the Jesus thing nailed down." Yes, that actually did. That did happen. I did say. I I don't even remember what show I was in or what what maybe I was preaching maybe I was uh, maybe we were podcasting but I did say yeah we yeah we got that Jesus thing nailed down and I went oh mercy Ooh. I did not I didn't even know <laughs> you didn't realize it I at first so we we all missed it until we thought about it and like oh, oh no. yeah so now that the worst part of this podcast is over. Um, the, All right, so now you have no idea yeah, the analysis now, yeah, that is going. Yeah, through. I'm sure the now, ticker tape is like. Yeah, now now that we know, probably first of all, churches should. If you're a church leader listening and you have anything to do with pastoral training, may we strongly suggest that this might be something. I know pastors like ah, even more stuff to learn, but it might help to have a modicum of, you know. Uh, emotional well-being training, something, or just, or, or just, or just or find teach them some to therapists in the. In I was going to say community partnerships. Yeah, well, community network. partnerships, and that's also another. That's also another thing we need more Christians in the therapeutic field. Actually, well, well, there are many, especially in the South. There are a lot of Christians who are faith-based. Um, there may not be as many Seventh-day Adventists, which is the religion that we. Hold dear to our hearts. A particular confession. Yeah. 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 But uh, there are, I mean, I, I know a lot of them. I mean, Well, and, and let me add, uh, there's we need more good Christian therapy. Well, oh, yeah. None well, of the, uh, the snake oil personal, peddling. Personal there experience. Yes, uh, we all got some stories about yeah, that. Um, so now that I know I shouldn't be going to the pastor to, mm-hmm. to deal with my emotional well-being outside mm-hmm. of the spiritual realm mm-hmm. uh, in whatever specialty. The thing is, they're so connected. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and they are, yeah. So that's that's where there's a lot of overlap, so which is why we talked about partnership. Ryan was just talking yeah. about there needs to be some level of partnership and also self awareness on behalf of pastors who are humans mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. About you know that's why, for example, I have personally chosen to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, these kinds of things, but now that we realize that, is there within the therapy realm? Mm. How do I choose, like? A therapist, like not just mm-hmm. obviously there's different personalities, and mm-hmm. obviously I can relate, mm-hmm. but I, obviously there's also different fields and specialties. I, I would assume mm-hmm. in therapy, maybe not too broad, mm-hmm. but I mean, help yeah. us out. This is kind of us yeah. all discussing this because you're obviously a, a a family. Yeah, and, and th- that can be misleading. I I work with every, I work with couples. I work, I can work with children. I don't choose to. Um, uh, she works I, with the unmarried. I work with with. <laughs> single people I work so it's not and whether it's a marriage and family therapist or it's a licensed mental health professional or it's a, a licensed professional counselor whatever 
or it's mm-hmm. a LCSL, a social worker, a licensed clinical social worker. We all, because of our experience, really kind of do the same thing. Now, there are some that would do like more coping skills and it really depends on your personality. So really, I should just so go find one. You not, ju- and I yes, don't have to stress about find which one. one. You re- actually go on psychologytoday.com and you look and there's profiles and you read the profiles and you look at the pictures and be, do it prayerfully. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, yeah. And then and then see what connects with what they're saying about themselves and you mm. and like, okay, well, I'm going to try that. And then you call them and you say, would you be willing to do a free consultation? And generally, the person will say, yeah. And mm-hmm. so you meet with them and you have a conversation. And if they're not a good fit, then go find a different one. And if after three or four sessions, this is like, yeah, the same working, then go find a different one. Mm. Uh, so this is, this is inconnected. It's going to seem like a complete segue or complete break off from what we're talking about, but it's not. Um, you know, I, I did ask about family and friends and what role they play. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned, once again, emotionally healthy themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, um, I guess, my, one of my agendas, <laughs> one, of my, one of my things I really wanted to say in this episode is the idea, and I learned it from Reddit of all places. It was where it kind of sunk in was um, this idea that we keep, and this is right along with the pastor thing too, we keep putting people in positions and asking them to do things that they are either not qualified to do mm-hmm. or is just outside their lane. Mm-hmm. And we put the responsibility of our own self-care onto people mm-hmm. that it's not that's not their job mm-hmm. um, to take care of us mm-hmm. in that way, like to fix us, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Or to help us get get right mm-hmm. and, and and be on that journey. And so this is what I learned from Reddit was um the best thing that you can do for your community is actually get the help you need from the right place. Mm-hmm. In other words, by n- the best thing you can do for your friendships and for your family mm-hmm. is to not make your health, your emotional well-being um, dependent on them mm-hmm. and sustained by mm-hmm. them. And that means that not leaning on them for every little thing, but instead, and this is how I've said this on this podcast before, um, just imagine if there was someone in your life who their entire purpose for being in your life was to help you walk through those problems and those issues in a way that led you to emotionally. Like, imagine if there that was there that was their one purpose, and um, and imagine if that's like, the, and they wanted to do that. They made that their life was was to help people in your position. That's what a ther- that's that is <laughs> very much what a therapist is. Yes. Why would I why would I go to someone who's that's not what their passion is? Right. It's not what they even know to do. And they have no idea like they but, don't have all the tools. There's so many more tools mm-hmm. in a toolbox. Mm-hmm. Why why get somebody that only has the hammer? Yes. When you could have 50 other tools that could do it better mm-hmm. and more efficiently and with less damage and destruction. Mm. Well, you we've know? used we've used the 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 I don't know if we've said it on this specific episode, but we have used the term and you use this a lot of, of seeing someone. And, and um, one of the things when my dad did die was one of the most isolated, I was, I was surrounded by friends. I mean, we filled a, mm-hmm. a thousand seater church with people mm-hmm. um, that I didn't even know my dad had, you know, had touched mm-hmm. their lives. And I was surrounded by friends checking in on me every day. And, and like, I was very grateful mm-hmm. for that. But at the same time, it didn't make it to be, if I'm being 100% honest, and this is not at all against them, made it 
uh, it didn't make it any less lonely or isolating of right. an experience because right. there's not a single one of them that could actually relate. Right. Um, that right. could actually know right. what I was going through. Right. And it's not that I go to a therapist who's also lost a parent. That's not it. But right. rather, I go to someone who studied this and understands what I'm going through mm-hmm. in a way that my friends just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my family even mm-hmm. uh, may not. And and members of my family have 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 handled those things and and some of those issues in completely different ways mm-hmm. um, based on personality. Here, here's the thing: I may not have lost a father the way you have lost a father, but mm-hmm. I have lost. Mm-hmm. And I know what loss is in my personal yeah, life. Yeah, 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 I also have the tools mm-hmm. to be able to walk you through yeah. that grief. Uh, but we've all lost. Mm-hmm. So there is, there, is that, there is that connection there. Yes, And very we much so. can get empathy and have empathy for people in that way. Yeah, and um, I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> Um, but it very much is a combination of knowing those tools and having those mm-hmm. tools and being able to. And that's that's what's so funny is a lot of what I've heard from a lot of people who do get therapy is they stop trying to be that person for other people. Mm-hmm. And instead, people who get therapy tend to just say, no, you should you should just go to therapy. Like at some point, if you ask your friend for medical advice, they'll just say, yeah, you should just go to a doctor. Right. right? Like, right. Well, and, same it, and deal. it is amazing, too, because like even in my own journey, there was a time <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I had that leading question about don't go to your pastor, because there was a time where I was the pastor that was trying to help. Mm. And I don't even want it's probably a, a blessing of God that I don't know the mm. amount of additional trauma I caused that way. And if somebody is listening that I traumatized you <laughs> through that process, then please accept my sincere, heartfelt apologies. Mm. And and I'm I'm willing to help recommend you to quality people <laughs> like Kim to talk about how I destroyed you. But, you know, it, to that end, it is true that once I started going through therapy myself, mm-hmm. I became so mm-hmm. much more disinterested in trying to be that for other people. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden I saw how it could be done right, and I knew all how I had not done it right. Yeah. And I went, oh, and it was really after that that I think we were talking earlier, and today I made a comment about this too. Now that I've been through this, I tell everybody, listen, I'm a general practitioner, mm-hmm. not a specialist. Mm-hmm. That has become my watchword when mm-hmm. people come up to, Pastor, can we talk to you about something? And I've just made it a general rule now. I'm like, listen, I will talk to you at most twice mm-hmm. before I'm referring you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, I know just enough to be a danger like mm-hmm. I, I can diagnose to a certain extent, but I can't treat. And if I try and treat, I'm going to kill you by accident. Mm-hmm. You know, not because I want to. So, uh, yeah, it's just being aware of that this this community of out of overlapping, out of curiosity. And I'm thinking out loud here, so you can shut this idea down. I'm just curious. Churches, a lot of churches do health fairs. They'll have dentists come out. They'll mm-hmm. have uh, doctors come out. They'll mm-hmm. have physical mm-hmm. therapists come out. Masseuses, mm-hmm. whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you, you've you've shared with me that you do a free twenty free minute, fifteen twenty minute yeah. consultation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think there would be any any validity to or uh, the idea of and I have no idea, um, but doing a emotional emotionally well being fair yeah. where you do have counselors or therapists from the community come in and do those kind of not consultations as a way of getting more clients though that Although can that very much happen, happen. Yeah. yeah, but also just to help people see where therapy could help them and or kind of help them help them do you, they won't come it i'm w- gonna say is the social people stigma won't still, come. So, they won't come hmm. because won't to come. come would be to admit yeah that there is, it is something so um it is such a vulnerable mm-hmm. 
scary thing to pick up the phone and call a therapist that even I will avoid it, hmm. even when I know I need it. So this, mm, you know, that's... I'm sorry, I hadn't thought about that because, you know, when I had to call, spoiler alert for those who may or may not have heard other episodes we, we came in, this Kim is actually, you know, the therapist that I went to in a stage of my life where I just really need help. And I hadn't thought about what my initial emotional reaction was to calling you, to reaching out to you, because it, because it, but now that I'm thinking about it, it was awkward. Mm-hmm. Because I did know you outside of, I, I knew you did it. That's how I knew I could mm-hmm. call. And I was good friends with your husband, mm-hmm. who I, you know, was making the very mistake I was talking about, trying to use him as my cheap therapist instead, mm-hmm. right? Because he's free, you know, um, that kind of thing. And I, I think I missed how emotionally, like you said, that it was actually, I think it was because I was in such emotional pain for some other stuff that was going on mm-hmm. at that point that it kind of outweighed mm-hmm. the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. But there was that brief flash mm-hmm. in the back of my head that, well, she, kn- you knew me as a pastor or your husband's friend or colleague mm-hmm. or whatever. If I make this phone call mm-hmm. and open myself up mm-hmm. to you figuring out what all my garbage is, mm-hmm. then, see, I don't even say garbage, my emotional brokenness... <laughs> Right, my beautiful brokenness. What what that was? Um, will that alter mm-hmm. perceptions, relationships? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, will this? What does it? Will mean? this destroy the relationship that I have with your husband on the other mm-hmm. side? I mean, you know, that's that's. I hadn't thought about the fact that, and that might be a good question to get it back on, on track. What is something that people of faith, anybody listening, what is something we can do to help counteract maybe that? Yeah, Maybe but, not even counteract that stigma, but is there is there things that we do or don't do that can help smooth the way for people to make that leap? Yeah, that's what well, I'm saying. Like, they want you guys show do up. it so all the, the time. You guys do it all the time. When you say, I've had a therapist. I'm looking for a therapist. I'm going to go to a therapist. I've been to a therapist in the past. When you say that, you are doing, you are allowing people to do the same thing. Thing. So if we normalize it, which yeah. would be therapeutic language, um, when we normalize it and it's just a regular thing, and I am noticing in more and more Christian podcasts that I listen to, they're all in therapy. Yeah. And so that is how you help. No, very much. I'm very grateful for this movement of, we can lambast social media all we want, but the one thing that I, I've claimed this for a couple of years now. I do believe we're in a reformation period mm-hmm. um, that is that um, particularly with emotional well-being. Yeah, but no, I mean, I mean, just in in Christianity in general, in Western Christianity mm-hmm. specifically, because more power is now being put back in the hands of individual church members and, and believers, mm-hmm. or at least mm-hmm. a lot of them mm-hmm. are claiming it. Mm-hmm. Um, the power of one tweet getting retweeted thousands of times is is surprising, right? Um, and what's happened is all of these podcasts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, has helped people claim a platform where the institution in years past may have said one thing. Mm-hmm. Now these individuals are able to do the other and show that it's actually okay and it's not bad. And mm-hmm. and that's what you, I think that's what you're seeing mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. yeah, individual Christians say, yeah, no, ignore what we've been taught and what we've been told mm-hmm. for years, for decades. Um, and... Go and get help and take care see, of yourself. See, that's the thing. Tra- 
traditionally the church, I mean, I'm talking way back then, mm-hmm. was about control. It was yeah. about controlling the people. And when you have emotional well-being or mental health or whatever you want to call it. It's harder to control you. You don't have, yeah. you have lost your control because they use and they manipulate emotion mm-hmm. in order to control. They use fear. And so when we allow people to have their own emotions, yeah, whatever, and they're running and they're, they're processing, they gain the freedom and then you've lost Mm -hmm. control. I see that in families. I see that in marriages. I see that in friendships. And traditionally that's been the, Mm -hmm. how the church has dealt with it. Wow. Kim, Kim I, just spoke I, I, a lot of truth into I, the specific <laughs> denomination that we well, both well, not just Not just that, but even historically. Oh, yeah. I, the, the nerd in me, it's like a light bulb just went yeah. off. I hadn't really thought of that as being a remnant also of a, of, of a period where the church was manipulating and controlling the world. Yeah. yeah. Right? As a vestige of why would this be something the church had ignored for so long? Mm-hmm. Because, again, in a, in a method of control... Mm-hmm. Like you were just saying, relationships now, I have all these examples going in my head right. of people I even mm-hmm. minister to and work with and right. families and other things where, wow, that's so true. These people that claim they want emotional well-being for people, but then seem to intentionally undercut it mm-hmm. or prevent it mm-hmm. in the name of God or any other mm-hmm. well, that's snake oil salesman stuff, mm-hmm. or that's mm-hmm. not having faith, or mm-hmm. that's... You're going to get controlled mm-hmm. by the devil if you go mm-hmm. talk to these people with their kooky, mm-hmm. special ways to get into your brain and implant stuff that wasn't there mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever, because they will lose. I've seen it in my own life. The more emotionally healthy mm-hmm. I continue to be, mm-hmm. the less certain, the less I'm giving certain people the right to dictate things in my mm-hmm. life that they had no real right to do so. Or mm-hmm. even if they had a right, it's not healthy that I let them do that. Right. Or they say, it's true. Some of these things they they, they slough off. It it floats away, mm-hmm. and ooh, oh, that's just mm-hmm. ooh, that's, yep. that's something to talk about now. And ooh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm just having no. self. I'm just having a reflective we moment call that over a here. Light bulb yes. moment. <laughs> yes, okay. so, I'm, there's just so many things getting put in different puzzle pieces together. I, over I here. do want to ask this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask this because there's going to be a lot of people that as they learn more about emotional well being or whatever term they use for it, um, they're going to start seeing the evidence of emotional unwell-being. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, well-planned. Emotional dysfunction. Yeah, dysfunction that would in, be... in the people around them, too. Yes. And there's this thing of like... Yes. Then we go overboard and we go, hey, uh, you need their... Like, there's... How do you... Yes. When you start seeing emotional dysfunction around you, what is... Which, yep. Um, <laughs> what... How she do wants you to speak so bad? <laughs> how do you lovingly encourage someone in that direction? Do you just well, I don't even want to say an answer yes or no answer. I just want this to be an open question of yeah, how do you help others who may not even realize that they do have that kind of dysfunction in their own lives? Is there anything you do or wait? Well, know. what do you think? Personally, shame them on the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh in that case, Henry, you no. <laughs> um I personally um, and this, this I've seen in people who, um, who will enter, if I was this person, will enter into a relationship that all of their friends know is clearly bad for them, mm-hmm. um, and they still do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of being, just being present and being, and, and prayerfully kind of waiting for the moment 
where they realize it too or where they may realize it and unless and and the only way the only intervening moment that i would encourage potentially someone in and you can obviously correct me if this is terrible but the only kind of immediate intervention i would say is if there is risk of immediate harm or mm-hmm. or soon mm-hmm. harm mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. themselves or to someone else mm-hmm. but otherwise i you i mean you've mentioned it before that that ministry of presence of just being supportive and and mm-hmm. loving and patient mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. when things do go south mm-hmm. <laughs> um that is that moment where they are open to receiving mm-hmm. and we see this I, i've seen this in addictions i've seen this mm-hmm. in uh, in people who struggle with it um i've seen it in relationships um i've been that person mm-hmm. um but it, it that is how i feel mm-hmm. i don't know if and that's why i ask you is i'm curious for a second opinion on this or a correction if i've been doing well, it there's wrong. N- n- no because it's not an either or it's a both and mm-hmm. um and there are many times there's nothing wrong with saying look i see this in you and i love you and mm-hmm. i want you to be free um there was a period in my marriage where my husband was going through a very difficult depression and numerous times I would bring up therapy mm-hmm. and in anger he would say like there was one time when he, I think I met it three or four times you know in the course of a few months and don't ever like I'm not doing it mm-hmm. um and then one day it was just the right time mm-hmm. and he was open and I said, well, you know, I know this person. And he's like, why didn't you tell me that a long time ago? But he couldn't take it in. Mm. He, he could not receive what I, yeah. was because he was in the middle of the yuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's So, so you keep trying, you lovingly mm-hmm. suggest it and they're either going to receive it or they're going to shut you down or they're going to cut you out of their. Yeah. Well, and even the cutting out is well, we if don't. That's what like they do. That, yeah, that's um, they're allowed. Eventually, too, they get to a point where enough people they've they've had to cut out enough people that they realize like, oh, <laughs> maybe I got maybe but that does maybe. Ha- that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, that, that can, can happen. happen. Yes. I'm not saying like that's. Yes. I'm not saying your goal should be that they do that. Right. But that right. has been a yes. breaking point for people yes. too. Um, and and I love that you're you're sharing even an example of someone that is very very close, a trusted person. Mm-hmm. This isn't like I, you know, in a, a loose acquaintance with someone right. and now I'm telling them this, but very much you earned the right and the privilege to speak into that space um, lovingly. You literally have two licenses to speak yes. into that situation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I, I think that's, that is incredibly important because, it, and the other thing I would even add too is be aware of the different methods to find therapists in the area mm-hmm. or otherwise because when the moment comes where they may be ready you were ready by saying mm-hmm. i know someone mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. be with them when they make the phone i don't know i mean there's there's any number of things that your presence can help sometimes them do you, in those ju- you make the phone call for mm-hmm. them depending on the friendship i have a really good friend that she said that when she lived she needed therapy and her friend called for her and made the appointment because mm-hmm. it was just too scary she was willing to go but that initial phone call picking up the phone and, and making the appointment was just too hard mm-hmm. And once the appointment was made, she followed through. Yeah. Oh, no, I remember, I, I've said for the last couple of years that, um, that I probably had ADHD. And it was kind of a defense mechanism to write off some of the things that I was worried about. Um, and it was safer to just say, I probably have it, but it's undi- I'm looking for mm. a psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, and then one day I finally decided it, it, it had become disruptive enough that mm. I said, I'm, I need See, to go get that's it. 
Um, There's the but there key. was no one I talked to. I just decided I'm going to do this. And it took me, A, it took me 40 minutes of looking through my insurance. Thank you, America. Uh, North, I mean, the USA. Uh, it took me 30, 40 minutes just to find a psychiatrist that wasn't just a kid's ADHD specialist. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anything about, like, I don't know if they could help me. So I just finally found one and I was super motivated in that moment and then the moment came to pick up the phone mm -hmm. and that was the moment mm -hmm. I froze and I didn't expect to I would have mm -hmm. been fine up until mm -hmm. the moment that I had to pick up that stupid phone um, and I did I, 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 it took me a minute it took me a couple minutes at least um, but I finally did get to the point where I could and um, and my life has been better much better mm -hmm. um, since then not you know not, not out of the woods necessarily mm -hmm. um, but it I mean, even Henry noticed in the first 15 seconds of a conversation that we had after I had started medication. Mm. Which um, is a whole other conversation. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was my point. Like, that was one of the unexpected things. I was just doing it because it, dis it was disrupting my life. Mm -hmm. And yet, one of the first things I started to notice was that it made the lives of everyone around me better because I had started to get the help that I needed. Here's, here's the thing. People will not change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Because change is painful. It hurts. And especially when you're going down whatever your issues are, if you're getting coping skills, okay, it can be painful and it's uncomfortable and there's uncertainty. When you are dealing with the deeper issues of your life, when you're dealing with the pain of your life, when you're dealing with your woundedness, your little T trauma, your big T trauma, whatever it is, that hurts. Mm -hmm. And so the pain of change needs to be less like I've said in a previous podcast, if anybody listened, when I spilled the tofu, mm. <laughs> realizing that my perfectionism, I could not live that way any longer. The beating myself up for spilling tofu. It's ridiculous. The pain of staying the same was greater than the pain. Yeah, you have, to, you have to let it build. That was like my own experience. Mm -hmm. It took me getting into enough failed relationships. Mm-hmm. To realize the only, I mean, whether they have their own problems or not, because I kept writing them off as, well, they have problems or that just didn't work. Or what, I had to get to the point where the only common denominator in all of this is me. Mm. And I've, I don't want to say waste. It's not a waste if you learn from it. I do want to stress right. that. It's not a waste if you, if you, you learn from it. That, that's one thing actually, hey, I can actually say something now because you're here. You can correct. <laughs> I didn't say that or whatever. No, but one thing you said, I used to say, why didn't I get therapy sooner? And I was beating myself up for it. And I think it was you who said you weren't ready yet. Mm -hmm. I, I right? remember saying that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you weren't ready yet. And it, now I'm kind of seeing, like you said, I had to get to the point where the pain mm -hmm. of continuing to just go through this descending mm -hmm. spiral cycle over and over and mm -hmm. over again, you know, for 20 plus years was more than it would take to pick up the phone and go, I need to call Kim and what is she going to think? Or I need to actually finally do the things that a therapist is suggesting I do, including things that at first I thought were silly things to do. Draw with your non-dominant hand. I'm telling on myself here, what does my inner child have to do with anything? Okay, well, uh, a lot. Everything. Uh, yeah, everything. <laughs> uh, right, that, 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 that change had to come, come about. So I... I mean, I guess that's where the patience comes in. I don't know if there's something we... That sounds horrible. Is there something we can do to help their pain get to the point where they get to change? <laughs> Actually, not, yeah. yeah you can set boundaries. Mm. By setting boundaries and not letting people continue where they're at, 
So, so stop you being a, a coping mechanism for them stop or a crutch? an enabler. I mean, I, I use the term loosely, and sometimes we don't mean to enable people. Mm-hmm. But by setting boundaries, by, by putting up the mirror and saying, when you do this, this hurts me. Mm-hmm. I see this in you. This, this is how it affects our relationship. Yeah. That's how you can and those, make it painful. <laughs> and I think the boundary setting is the moment where that conversation comes into play, mm-hmm. even if that person isn't... The conversation I spoke of earlier, when you say, consider... Mm-hmm. Um, consider therapy. That's not the way I would say it, but is those moments of when you do have to set boundaries. And mm-hmm. um, it is a lot of this is stuff that I've just had to learn out of self preservation mm. outside of therapy. Like, I, as much as we, and I'll be honest about this, as much as we do harp on it, um, me personally, I've never been to a successful, uh, I've never had a successful therapist relationship. That to, just to, makes me really To sad. this day, everything that I know. Wow. <laughs> Um, which is not a lot, but anything that I do know, it's literally I've learned out of self-preservation um, because I've been put in situations where either there was legitimate mental illness and disorders or behavioral disorders in family or in friends and um, situations where I just had to learn, I got to cope, I have to get by and I need to figure out a better way to do this because mm-hmm. what has been working, staying the same, is going to mm-hmm. hurt more than figuring out how to change this. Mm-hmm. And enforcing boundaries was one of those things. I don't know if I should be mirroring on a podcast the, the stuff that we're trying to learn and pointing out that I know of a perfect... <laughs> ah! Oh, no, I just used the word... Ah! Oh, that perfect I, yeah, word. I'm sorry. You know oh, of a great, I, know I know of a, do, of a therapist wanna... that I could highly recommend right here. Because people can't unhear this, I'm going to say this. <laughs> okay? Nice. And that is, many times, the initial discomfort of staying the same is strong, so that the... the they set up an appointment and people go three or four times and then the heat turns on and then the discomfort of change mm. increases. Like, like, yeah, no, many times I have seen you'll go to two or three, you know, you'll go for three or four sessions and then people fall away because mm. you've gotten Beca- to the point you because you've gotten to the, yeah. I've, I've, mm-hmm. I personally, when I'm in, when I'm being the therapist, I've gotten to the pain, and the pain is. And they fall away. They they yell, "Ow!" And they're like, really "Nope, loud, I don't want to go really further." Really loudly. And re- recently, I was <laughs> told by someone uh, that that they knew. Yeah, you said something he didn't like, and he was never going back. Mm. Like, okay, well, no, but that's but, about you, dude. No, but but, but you but see pain, that, yes, because I know people that I'll talk about emotional well-being, and they'll go, "Oh yeah, I believe in that too," mm. and then they'll start talking, and you'll realize they've had forty different mm-hmm. therapists mm-hmm. in like two years, mm-hmm. and you start hearing a common denominator. They're only there two or three times, mm-hmm. and when you really are like, "Is that because?" That's not because you can't find somebody. That sounds like you're with them just long enough mm. for them to figure out what it what is. What it is, right. And then you flip. And because before that, this rapport building, there has to be a trust alliance between yeah. the client and the therapist. And so those first few sessions, yeah, there's information, but and you're building rapport. And then you get to session three, four, five, and then you're right there on the pain. Yeah. And people are like, whoa! Well, I didn't sign up for this. Well, that's kind of like a lot of people in, in just the relationship, the romantic relationship world where they can't build deep relationships mm-hmm. because it, they want to keep it surface level because when they're with someone long enough, all of a sudden mm-hmm. they know you enough or they can figure out the quirks. They can get past the surface. Mm-hmm. And that terrifies people mm-hmm. because they go, oh, no, now you're going to know my... Really known. Oh, that's yeah. funny. My, I have it for a different reason. I have an issue of not going deep into relationships, not because I'm afraid that they would know 
past the surface, but because I'm afraid that they'll disappear. Mm. Um, and it's not the it's it's like I have. But this, that's because they would get past the surface and not like. No, what they saw. I mean yes, that, that that has happened in several almost relationships and actual relationships. Um, but not even that they would reject what they find, um, though that has happened, and that partially comes with the platform that I have. Mm. When I have a platform, for doesn't matter how authentic I am, even for the authenticity or the transparency of emotion and emotional brokenness mm. that I have shared in several episodes, um, I still get touted as, I can be touted as this person who has somehow got it all together. Mm. Um, and so then they start to find out that I don't, and like that ha- actually is an issue. Like, being well-known or being known mm-hmm. in general, like that is a problem. It doesn't surprise me why, and I'm not trying to say I'm a celebrity, but it doesn't surprise me why celebrities date other celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, um, no, for me, it was more of a, I just have no control over them staying and anything could happen. And I would rather be closed off than to um, take the risk of getting a phone call of you know them not being around anymore um or anything like that like that's where mine comes from it's it's more abandonment but not in the traditional sense i'm talking about like someone dying getting sick something like that um but that so but i i've seen what you're saying i'm just, it's just interesting as i think about this um because any conversation i have about this i end up in my own head that's just how mm-hmm. this works um so it's just normal. interesting to that's see that normal. um yeah it, it is really interesting to see that yeah so obviously we're starting to come near the end here and this is we're enjoying this rare opportunity to have a discussion about emotional well-being and mm-hmm. have a, a therapist reception on that i can so, easily say for another three hours oh i mean easily happy. but we yeah. also understand our i mean I yes need dinner. And, and, and this yes uh, definitely but for those that this might be your first or maybe your your first safe environment to mm. start thinking about this or hear people talking about this there's something you kind of alluded to earlier that I know this could be an hour in itself, but I do want to mention it because when it comes to faith mm. and faith communities, we are making more progress when it mm-hmm. comes to talking about emotional well-being, but I know something that's still within that category is still lagging hundreds of miles behind mm. is when it comes to um, prescribed by a therapist, mm. correct use of medicinal aid medicine basically Mm -hmm. to assist you with your emotional well-being and i know that there's a huge stigma Mm -hmm. that okay it might be one thing if we can go to a therapist you're not losing faith but if you are taking a drug Mm. then it is altering your mind and you are going to be controlled by a demon or you are Mm. are showing a complete you're not going to be you anymore they're going to turn you into Mm. I would just be curious from as a person of faith and a mm-hmm. therapist mm-hmm. licensed and trained, could you I want to give you the floor a little bit to mm-hmm. could we push back on that a bit and explain to us why I don't need to freak out dot com if I'm going to a therapist and they go, you know what? Your 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 well being is at a state where you can it would, benefit. It would be, yeah, that that that, <laughs> that this words. that this medicine can be an extra pair of hands in the fight, something mm-hmm. to kind of uh, an extra step up mm-hmm. to get you out of a hole that you might be in that by yourself mm-hmm. is going to take a lot of energy to be clawing and it's going to exhaust you and your tank's already empty because mm-hmm. you've been fighting this battle alone. It, I'm kind of giving away how I kind of view it now mm-hmm. when I'm talking to people, but can, can we talk about how medicine is not you're horrible and evil and a lack of faith and bad, but this is this is something to help when you've dug deep when you've gone down so long, it, it, it it's kind of like a cushion to help give you a head start to get back to a place where you can dig appropriately or, or find to stabilize things enough you can get health. Anyway, I thought I, I asked long questions. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of I'm uh, rambling. Anyway, could you talk to us some about that before we 
wrapping up here. See, the the thing with medic the thing with emotions. Emotions are chemicals in your brain. Mm-hmm. And when the chemicals in your brain are not in a normal window of space, the chemicals in the brain will change how you perceive and think. So if you take, and medication doesn't have to be a forever thing. For some people it is. If you have a history of little T trauma through your childhood where this thing has been reinforced, your brain has changed. Mm-hmm. You the, will the, not the neuronic have pathway has been you will developed. not have the capacity for the serotonin that you need. So please get the the medication that you need so that you can have the serotonin in your brain because when you have the appropriate amount of serotonin in your brain, then and only then can you deal with the negative beliefs you have about yourself. Until the serotonin levels are where they need to be, you cannot change the negative beliefs you have because your serotonin is affecting how your brain mm-hmm. is processing things. Mm. So you're, trying to, so you're trying to fight against what is very much a, a physical or physiological exactly. reaction. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So if your pancreas is like, like you don't have one, or it, like it's mm-hmm. it's diseased to the point where it doesn't work anymore. It does not matter how much you change your diet, how much you exercise, how much you whatever. You need insulin. Yeah, which is what always, as I said, has been fascinating to me that Christians tend to be fine with medicine when it comes to heart conditions, the lung, other things, but the brain, which is our largest mm-hmm. organ, somehow it's a testament of a lack of faith. If I have to do anything with it, mm-hmm. there's such stigma. And it's, it's kind of like you were saying, this is more like saying on the emotional well-being journey, mm-hmm. let's just say there's a starting point where the pain has gotten somewhere. To, to me, medicine can be the thing. Do you want to start that journey at the starting line or do you mm-hmm. want to start at 200 miles from mm-hmm. the starting line? You're going to have to make the same journey. Mm-hmm. But when medicine is kind of like the golf cart that pulls up and goes, would you like a ride to the starting point? Why would you be like, ah, that's a defeat of the race if I get on the golf mm-hmm. cart? Well, that's they're just taking you to the start. It, it's not right. going to do the work for you, but right. it, it's getting you to the place where you can do the work. Kind of, yeah. The other problem is some people want the easy fix. Oh, they just want the and medicine. So to they fix go it. to yeah. the medicine to fix it, and that's mm-hmm. that's research shows that medicine and therapy together mm, are the best yeah. treatment mm-hmm. for yeah. mental, a host of things. Mental illness. <laughs> I said the uh, words. Uh, 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 emotional dysfunction. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll even give it to to just ADHD is, um, and this was You one can't of the, help that. There's nothing that, you can't eat the right food to not no, have ADHD. No, no, there's not. And, and you can spend more time with but me. But what, what, one of the things that the psychologist I went to told me was basically, um, he's like, yeah, this medication is not going to make you better. It's just going to make you be able to focus right. and be more efficient. But, and this was very much true, um, ADHD affects things far more than just your ability to focus and sit still and, mm. and you know, do tasks at hand and balance that. But it is one example of a manifestation that medication has no, absolutely no touch or control over. And I wish I had known this when I was like 13 rather than when I was 25. Um, but or 26, um, 
the one thing that people with ADHD tend, it's not everyone, um, is that you tend to get bored in new relationships very quickly because you lose the stimulation once it becomes uh, kind of a, a, an everyday thing. And what I had noticed when I learned this was a pattern of relationships where I date a girl for like a month and then I'd suddenly just lose all interest. Wow. And I thought I had lot, just lost interest, mm. not realizing that it was just your brain chemistry. It was just my brain chemistry. And ah, it was this idea of had I been able that's to so learn sad. behavioral mechanisms, coping mechanisms, behavioral tr- you know, techniques and things right. through therapy, it could have been something. And this is actually in my current relationship. Um, I was very upfront, now that I know this, upfront at the beginning to say, I'm still learning how to process and work through this. And I want you to know if there comes a time where I seem distant or whatever, I'm letting you know what's in my brain. Mm. And I know that it's going to be impossible to not take it personally at some, in mm-hmm. some way, shape or form. But I want you to know that now that I know that's the issue, I can stick through it. Mm-hmm. And that's very much what I've been able to do now. Mm-hmm. And it's happened in some relationships naturally, but for I wish I had known that because not only I'm not saying that I wish I could. It means I'd still be with the first person I ever did that to the mm-hmm. harm that I caused. But it means that I w- maybe wouldn't have left the same trail of mm. hurt and pain in my wake had I had the knowledge that I do now. And there's no medication can't help that. Right. You also wouldn't carry the shame. Exactly. Mm. Correct. Oh, yeah. No. What the first thing that I had to work through and still am working through with ADHD was for the first two months after the first hour of taking my medication and my life changed was uh, was the first emotion I had was anger. Oh, um, anger and grief. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was like, I so much of my I feel I felt like I had lost um, the first half of my life <laughs> or wow. like my life up to that point and how much I immediately started thinking of and there was not I couldn't stop that that train from happening but started thinking of all the things that could have been different if only I had known if only I had gone to therapy sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so I very much had a grieving process Mm -hmm. to just accept Mm -hmm. that my past is my past. And I did Mm -hmm. the best that I could Mm -hmm. with the knowledge Mm -hmm. I had. Mm -hmm. Um, and should I ever come into contact with those individuals again, those, you know, Mm -hmm. those women again, whatever, I now have a different way to have that conversation that doesn't, and let me be clear, does not absolve me of the responsibility of the decisions I made and the actions I took, but now can contextualize them and maybe release someone else from shame because the idea that someone will just lose interest in you after mm-hmm. a month that impacts you mm-hmm. i mean that that impacts the person yeah. that that i lost interest in too and so maybe it can even be something that is spring for them mm-hmm. that is a the most concrete example i can think of and i know it was long but of an of an area where medication can help me but there's mm-hmm. some things that it just cannot it can't touch Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. now, and now, as mm-hmm. Ryan was saying earlier, we could talk like this for three hours. And by the way, for those who are listening, feel free to down in the show notes, contact us. Let us know. We are more than happy to keep facilitating this conversation. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can even get Kim mm-hmm. back on for episodes two, three, four, five, <laughs> six. Um, you know, as we intersperse it over the season. So, if this is something you guys are interested in, please definitely reach out to us. Hit us up on social media. Our contact information is below. We'd mm-hmm. be more than happy to help facilitate that that kind of conversation. Uh, that being said, though, as, as we wrap up, Kim, in, in all the things we've been discussing, is there any final thoughts or something we haven't been able to discuss yet that you'd really just like our listeners to know or to take with them when it comes to conversations about emotional well-being or their own emotional well-being? Uh, are, are there any kind of final thoughts in that sense that you'd like to to leave us with to help us in that continuing journey? Get thee to a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mic drop. No, really. <laughs> Get thee to a therapist. <laughs> really. 
really. Um, to think that you aren't touched by the brokenness of this world and therefore are broken um, is foolishness. And there is so much freedom and so much grace and mm. so much oh, just the ability to breathe when you courageously and vulnerably face the lies, because really they are lies, that the devil has told you by living in this broken world. Mm. Wow. Beautifully said. Uh, Kim, I know we've said it on past uh, episodes, but I do want to thank you again for, for your contributions, your, your, your ministry, the way that you are allowing your beautiful brokenness to minister to our beautiful brokenness. Mm -hmm. Around it, it really means a lot. I know you 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 mean a lot to Ryan and I personally, uh, and and your ministry. And we just want to affirm that again publicly, and and just say thank you for letting God use you in the ways that that He is. Um, Ryan, any final thoughts that you'd like to to leave with us as we kind of wrap this up? I just want to know what Tim did to get so lucky. Um, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Tim is her husband. For those who are unaware, um, no, I'm, I'm the lucky one. Um, ah, that's Aww. what it is. Um, no, I uh, I echo everything that Henry has said, and I'm grateful that you have entered into the podcasting space yourself because I believe yours is a an important voice, one that that more um, can benefit from hearing from. Um, I don't want to say need to hear from because that is elevating you to a level that I don't want to elevate you to. Um, but I do think that you do have something really valuable to say and to share and contribute um, to the conversations that you have. And so I just want to encourage you to keep on that path um, and to keep growing into that voice as you as you are leaving, I guess, in, in the podcasting realm, you're leaving the more one-on-one -on -one conversations and turning and turning these into more public conversations, mm -hmm. so to speak. So mm -hmm. I just want to encourage you in that um, and to affirm you there. You know, um, and yeah, and so I mean, we and we want to affirm our listeners to continue on that journey of emotional well-being, and uh, know that we want to be there for you in ways that we can, and primarily that will be, if nothing else, being a facilitator to get you to someone like Kim that can actually help, uh, not us, but we we hope that this has been an encouragement to you, that this has been a good conversation. We do want to remind you down in the show notes, look below, we have joy in the weeds. Exactly, which is a great podcast that if you have not already subscribed, then you didn't listen to the first half of this podcast and do what we said. So I would say shame on you, but we don't want shame. Ah, we would say no shame. shame. Exactly, no shame. shame is uh, but now you have a second chance. Yes. Yeah. Life is full of second now, chances. Now, yes, it's all about choice. And so go get that you know, subscription button going. Make sure to subscribe here. Again, our contact information is in the show notes, and we hope to see you next time as we all continue this reconstructive journey of faith, even through the reconstructive journey of emotional wellness. So we'll see you next time, guys. <laughs>